ever asked for something, not necessarily of God, but just of, of somebody, have you asked them for some? Maybe, maybe as a kid, you went to your parents and you asked for uh, some candy. You asked for a popsicle. You asked for, for, for something, and, and they said no. And so you came back again, and you, you, you asked again. Maybe, maybe, I just, maybe it's the wrong timing. Maybe it's, a bad, maybe, maybe it's the wrong approach, the wrong words. And so you asked again, and they said, they said no. You come back a third, a fourth, a fifth time, and each time, no, no, no. And sometimes after you ask enough and you keep getting told no enough, sometimes you just give up, don't you? Uh, may, you know, say, well, maybe, maybe that's just not for me. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to be the type of person who has that or does that. And, and, and sometimes we do that with prayer, right? Sometimes we go to God and we pray, God, God, yeah, I, I have this desire. I have this one. I have, I have this thing. And, and, and sometimes God comes back with a no. And sometimes you're like, well, maybe God doesn't want that for me. And so sometimes there's, there can be a little bit of heart sickness with that, right? The, 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 the poet Langston Hughes, he wrote a famous poem called The Dream Deferred. It goes like this. Maybe you remember it from, from school. It says, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? I mean, maybe as we think about some of those dreams, some of those, some of those things that we've, we've asked God for, maybe, maybe it's been this weight, this pain in our heart that because God, we really feel like he wants us to have this. So there's something that he's put this desire in our heart. And so we pray and we ask, and sometimes it comes back. No, no, no. And, and it hurts. And Solomon wrote about, wrote about that in Proverbs 13, 12, he says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes when we're told no, it just hurts. That's what happens sometimes when our longings aren't met. It feels like an extra weight around our shoulders, an extra burden on our back. And we can begin to feel depressed and heard, unseen. And maybe you felt that way from somebody. And maybe sometimes you feel that way with God. We pray and we pray. And sometimes we wonder, God, are you hearing me? God, do you hear me? God, do you care? Sometimes we'll ask and, 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 and sometimes we just wonder, are we ever, are we going to ever get any kind of relief? Are we ever going to get any kind of help? And so sometimes we'll ask and, and sometimes like, well, I, I can help with a little bit of that. And maybe they don't carry as much as you really want, but just any kind of help. You're like, oh, you begin to feel a little bit of relief from that pain, from that weight. Let me give you a hand. What does it feel like when your prayer gets answered? When, when there's a response? Sometimes, even when God says no, sometimes we're like, at least he heard us. At least we felt heard. But what about when there's a yes? What about when we get exactly what we've asked for, when things begin to come together just as you desire, when the prayer is answered just the way you want it? Isn't there joy? There's, there's celebration. There's a, maybe there's an extra bounce in your step. And today we're going to see someone who goes from despair to delight. We're going to see someone who goes from a dream deferred to a dream realized. And we'll learn what it's like to pray and never give up. And so if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke is, uh, in, in this section of the gospel, 
Luke is uh, writing about just giving us different teachings of Jesus. Jesus is kind of like traveling along. He's teaching in different spots. He's teaching different things. He's, he, he's meeting people in different locations. And, and as he's praying, as he's teaching, he's, he comes along he's even, and there he's teaching about prayer. And so he talks about different, uses different parables and uses different stories and different techniques. And, and, and as he does so, he, he gives us this story. What's unique about this story is that before he tells us this parable, he gives us the point. He's like, hey, here is the, here's the, the, the thing that I want you to take home. Listen for this. And then he tells this story. And what's going to be interesting in this story is that uh, there is this woman, this widow, and there's a judge. And, and some of it, in our minds, we're going to read it with, with our Western mindset. And it's going to be, well, well, why is it odd that she keeps having to come back time and time again? Well, in Middle Eastern culture, women did not go to court. Women did not go to court. Men would go to court for them. And the fact that she goes to court by herself means she has no one to go for. She, she's a widow, so there's no husband. She has, her father's probably dead. She has no uncles. She has no brother. She has no son who's willing to go for her. And so she has to go herself. Another thing for us to listen to is that even though she's a widow, it, th- does that mean that she is old? It, it, men often would die. It was uncommon for men to die in their thirties or forties. And so this widow may have still been relatively young. And so she's going to go before this judge and she's going to ask for help. And this is what Luke writes for us as Jesus teaches. He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps pestering, keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, it's normal for us when we read parables like this to see a judge, to see someone in authority and immediately think that must be who God is. But just like last week, uh, this is not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. You know, there are those parables that we see who God is. We see in the, the parable of the wealthy landowner. Who sends his son, the wealthy landowner, he is God. Parable of the sheep and the goats, the king is God. The parable of the wedding banquet, the king who throws a banquet for his son is, is God. And so we want to immediately put the person in authority and see that as a picture of who God is. But in this parable, that is not the case. That's not the case. Because if we do so, we often begin, man, God doesn't love me. God doesn't love this widow. And so this is not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. We see some other person in authority and they are a contrast to who God is. So what does Jesus tell us in this parable? He says, I'm, he shows in this parable that he, he wants to teach his disciples to pray and not give up. To pray and not give up. 
Because there's been times we've come to God and said, God, can you, can you give me this? I, I, I need this. And he responds with a no. And so maybe you've been praying for something. And you pray and you pray and you keep praying long enough. And sometimes you just get tired of praying and you give up. Maybe it was a, a silly prayer. Maybe as a child, you prayed for a pony. That's what I always go to, right? You know, it's, oh, God, God, give me, you know, give, give me a pony. Give me a horse. Because as a kid, you think the horse is like the greatest thing, right? But sometimes parents are, parents are smart enough to go, you want, they're not, A, not take care of a horse. Horses are really expensive. Horses are expensive to take care of. Horses are not something you can just like put in the backyard. And so we may pray and pray and pray. We keep getting no and no. Maybe, maybe it's a more serious prayer. Maybe it's a heartfelt prayer. Maybe we look at, we look, look, look at the life of Paul. Paul was one of the greatest missionaries, greatest speakers, greatest advocates for God in the entire New Testament. Yeah, he had this, what he called a thorn in the flesh. And he, pray, he was, I prayed three times. I'm sure he prayed, but by saying he prayed three times, he prayed more than three times. But there were, he, he's like, I, I prayed deeply. He was saying, I just kept praying. And pray. I kept praying for this. And God said, my strength is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. I'm not going to take that away from you. There's something in that that, that, that is going to help you connect with somebody else. There, there's, so this pain, this discomfort, this hurt that you have, I'm not taking it away. And so sometimes we pray and what we pray for, we don't get. And sometimes God's like, Hey, keep praying, pray and not give up. Maybe you've prayed for a loved one. Maybe you've prayed for, for them to be healed. Maybe you've prayed for a friend or, or, or a loved one to, to accept Jesus. Maybe, maybe you, you're, you're, you're uh, having a, a difficult uh, financial situation. You're in a, a, a cur- currently in a fi- difficult financial situation. Or maybe someone you know is looking for work and you're, and you're praying that, that God would respond. Maybe you're praying for our country, for our church. You might think, God, the more I keep praying for, for our country, it's, it keeps going from bad to worse. Are my prayers effective? Why do I keep praying when it doesn't seem like anything is working. And sometimes we question, does prayer, does prayer really work? Maybe you've asked that before. Maybe you've asked that same question. God, when I pray, does, does it really matter? Do, do, do my prayers, do they get above the ceiling? Do, do they break through the roof? Do they enter into your throne room? Do they come before you? And it's a fair question, one that we may wrestle with in terms of our faith. Not that we have to pray a certain amount of times. It's not like God's like, well, you've only prayed for that four times. And so, you know, when you get to six, maybe I'll consider it. And maybe by the time you get to 10 or 12, maybe, maybe I'll do something about it. God's not up there keeping tally the number of times you prayed for something. And he's, he's not waiting for that before he responds. Then we have to pray a certain amount of times or, or pray in a certain way. Maybe we're just not saying the right words. You, know, you, you remember as a kid, you, you, you'd ask for something. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, give, me a, give me something to eat, mom. What's the magic word, right? We, we <laughs> it's not like we have to say, please, God. We don't have to add any magic words. We don't have to add any special words. And sometimes we think, man, do, do, do we have to, we don't have to pray in a certain way. We don't have to pray a certain amount of times. And sometimes, but sometimes it seems that there's certain things we just have to be more constant about and more consistent with. And maybe it's because God first needs to change us. Maybe God first needs to change us. 
Maybe the prayer is right. You know, you, you have David. David had this heart to build a temple for God, a place that would show God's glory to the nations, a place for the people to come together. And, and, and God says, I, I, and David goes, I want to do this for God. And so he sends one of his, his prophets, one of his seers, one of his, one of his uh, go seek God for me. And God speaks to Nathan through this and says, tell David, I've never asked for this, but his heart's in the right spot. But he's not the right person. He's won many battles for me. There's too much blood on his hands. But there will be one. His son who comes after him, he will be the one to do, do this. It was, the, it was a good prayer. It was the right prayer. It was just the wrong time. So maybe God needs to change us because it's a good prayer. It's the wrong time. We're not quite ready to receive it yet. Maybe uh, it'd be... Uh, too much, too fast. Maybe we're not ready to, you know, you know it's, uh, I, I mentioned this, I think a, a week or so ago. It's not like I'm giving Josiah the keys to the car anytime soon. There will be a time when I will trust him with the vehicle, with one of our vehicles. But, but right now as a, as a nine-year-old, mm, one, A, he can't see if a steering wheel. Two, boy's pretty rambunctious if you know him. And I, I don't think I need to put him behind the wheel of a vehicle where he might hurt both either himself or someone else or property around him. Like, and so maybe what we're asking for God, it's the right thing. It's just the wrong time because we're not mature enough. We're not ready to handle. We're not ready to handle it. Maybe God needs to change us. He needs to grow us. He needs to mature us. Maybe we're asking for something that's good, but God really wants to give us something great. And oftentimes the greatest enemy of good of great is good enough. Maybe what God, God wants to give us something spectacular, but we're asking for just, something mundane. And he's like, if I give you this mundane thing, maybe you'll stop seeking me. And I really need you to seek this great thing. And so you're happy down here. I need you up here. So I'm not going to give you what's good because I want you to seek what's great. And so we can tell it, you know, and it's easy in our life, right? We can tell the difference between bad and good, right? We can tell, we can tell, you know, that's a bad idea. Hey, I've got all this swampland in Arizona. You want to buy some? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I got a beachfront property in Arizona. No, no, no. But when we see something that's kind of good, we go, what? At least gives us pause. It gives us a... But what if that good thing keeps us from having the resources, the time, the ability, the opportunities to pursue the great thing? We can tell the difference between bad and good, but can we tell the difference between good and great? And what if what God wants to give us is so much better? So maybe our request, maybe it's in the right idea, but it's just the wrong time. Our heart's in the right place. Or maybe we're in the wrong place and he needs to move us to where we need to go. So, so God who sits outside of time, he holds off until a better moment to make our prayer a reality. Another thing to think about, as David mentioned in, in his communion meditation, sometimes when we read scripture, we need to see what happened before. And what happened after? And so just before this, he's talked about, he, he's told his disciples about his return. He's going to go away, but he's going to come back again. And so we live in this moment between his leaving and before his coming back again. And so as he, he's, he's tell, talking about his second coming, we need to pray and be constant in prayer because that's what's going to sustain us while he is away. 
We live in this in-between time. And when the, he says, guys, when I go away, you're going to long for these moments when we are together. You're going to long for these moments when I was here with you. And so in that time, while I am away, you need to pray and be constant in prayer because that will remind you. It will bring you back to this place where we were together. What is Jesus' message to us in this? Hey, keep calm and pray on, right? Keep calm. Things may go from bad to worse. Things may not be good. But if you keep praying, my presence with you will help sustain you. Will help bring you peace. So we should continue to be longing for his return, working towards his return. And how do we do that? By helping others come to faith in Jesus. By sharing our story of how God has saved us and what he has done in our lives. So Jesus says, I'm going to teach you this parable about how to pray and not give up. And he starts off with a judge. He said, there's a judge in this certain town and he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. So you bring your case before him and he, he, he was stern. He was hard. This judge was likely a judge of, of Roman influence. Because Jewish judges were supposed to fear God. That, in fact, that was where they were supposed to, to rule and judge from. Because by doing so, they could then judge rightly. And they could provide the right kind of care and the right kind of compassion to the poor and the powerless. It was, it was from that place they could defend those who needed their defense. They could defend the orphan and the widow. But often Roman appointed judges were corrupt. They would take bribes. They would make uh, decisions based on what was best for their own political position, their own uh, rise of influence. It was not a position based on integrity but, or based on one's character. It was solely based on influence. If you knew the right person, you could be uh, appointed a judge. And so this guy was not a good judge. In fact, you could not appeal to him based on his allegiance or care for God. You couldn't say, hey, don't you love God? Don't you love God, our creator, the one who made us? Don't you love him? Because if you would, you would help me. And he's like, I don't care about God. I don't care who he is. Like I said, he's likely of Roman background. So, so which God are you refer, referring to? Uh, you know, Zeus, uh, you know, which one are we, or Apollo, whichever, I can't remember Roman, all those guys. Those guys or that guy? No, he didn't have a care. He didn't fear God, nor did he care what people thought. You can, so you couldn't even appeal to him based on, hey, man, can't you just give me a break? Because have you seen this? I keep coming to you time after time. Just, can you give me a break? Can you give me some help? You might think that because he didn't care about what people thought, it might make him unbiased. Literally, though, it says he felt no shame before people. And this culture, it was, it was a shame honor culture. And so you would not want to do something that might bring shame to you or your family. You would want to do things that would bring honor to your name, would bring honor to your family. But he was not guided by that same sort of shame or honor. In fact, you, you, you would think that he would think through what, how this would make him appear. But he felt no shame towards people. He has no inner sense of honor that people would appeal to. He was truly out what was best for him and who cares about anyone else. How does this make me look? How, 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 do I, how do I want to be presented? 
And so here he is, he's sitting in his, uh, you know, sitting in his uh, judge's seat and people would come to him day after day. And so they would, uh, each day the, the docket would form. And so those who are most important, those who are most, uh, would, would take places ahead, uh, you know, ahead you know, be higher up in the line. They would come before him, they'd present his case and he would respond as need to be. And each day, each day, each day, this widow kept coming to him. He kept filling a spot on the docket. I mean, she's pretty low on the list. And so, so usually at the end of the day, he's all worn out. He's tired. And so this widow keeps coming to him day after day. And finally she said, grant me justice over my adversary. Grant me justice over my adversary. Now we don't know. We don't know uh, what her plea was and we don't know who her adversary was. But all we know is she kept coming day after day. She had no position. She had no standing among, among the court, but she still showed up. She had no one to stand for her, no one to go for her. There was no man, no covering, no authority to stand by her side. And sometimes we might read this and we might go, man, she is a nag, right? Maybe you've had that neighbor, right? You've had that neighbor and it's like, you know, one, one weed is out of place. You, 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 you going to take care of that? You know, you, know, the, 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 you know, the kids are playing in the backyard. The ball goes into their yard just one time too many. Can't your kids keep your, the ball in your own yard? We've, we've all had those kind of neighbors, right? Man. Lord, if you're going to smite someone, we got, I got someone to add to your list, right? But she's not a nag. I mean, it looks like maybe to us, we read it, we go, man, she just keeps nagging day after day. day. He grant me justice, grant me justice. Grant me. But maybe yeah, there's this place that widows kind of formed ahead in the community. And there's like this teaching that they could provide. And they could see the imbalances because they were often the ones on the wrong side of the scale. They're the ones who, who, who often took the greatest brunt of things. And she comes before the judge and she's like, something's not right. And it happens to be in my life and is affecting me. And so can you grant me justice? Can you grant me justice over my adversary? They show that you didn't have to be in power, but by persistence, a victory could be won. And so each day she brings her plea. And each day, judge is worn out at the end of the day. Deny, deny, deny. No, no, no. Get her away. Send her away. Be gone. But one day, one day the judge changes his mind, right? One, we don't know why, but for some reason, he changes his mind. In fact, he looks at his buddies who are there helping him. And he's like, even though I don't fear God, I don't care what people think. But this widow keeps coming to me day after day. And she keeps bothering me with this same appeal. Give me, grant, grant me justice, grant me justice, grant me justice. And he keeps, he, one day he said, I will give her justice. So she won't eventually come and attack me. Maybe your version says, wear me out. And literally that word means to strike someone under the eye. To strike someone under the eye. Have you, have you ever heard the phrase, you know, that, that action gave them a black eye? Not literally, right? I mean, maybe. You, know, you, you talk to the wrong person the wrong way you might literally get a black eye, but, but kind of figuratively you do something wrong and it's kind of a mark against you. He's like, man, if I don't grant her justice, eventually it, this is going to give me a black eye. They're going to look at me and they're going to say, he's not doing his job. See, remember he's not here because he's got a degree. 
And we think judge, we think, oh, he's gone to law school. He's worked his way up. He got voted in all these ways. You know, he's shown, he's proven himself. And so he's, no, no, he's here because he's, he knows somebody. He knows him and he wants to keep, keep climbing the ladder. He wants to keep climbing the ranks. And he's like, you know what? If I don't do the right thing here, eventually someone's going to look and go, he's not doing his job. If they look back at the records and they see that, that Jones showed up every day for three months straight. And I kept telling her no. And didn't look into anything. And didn't, you know, I just cast her off. Eventually this is going to look bad on me because they know, you know, they'll, they'll be able to research Jones situation and realize I didn't do the right thing. So he wants advancement and he's tired of, of her coming day after day. He's, he's tired of having his time wasted. And so eventually he goes, I'm going to do the right thing. Not because I care about God, not because I care about people because, but I don't want it to look like I didn't protect this person. No one wants to see a widow taken advantage of, even a Roman judge without any fear of God or man, because to him it will look bad. It will, eventually, it will make him look bad. Like I said, we don't know who her adversary was or how they had wronged her. By the, but, but by not responding to her request, it shows just how unjust he is. And it will ruin his reputation. And there's no better way to not get a promotion than to prove that you aren't doing your job. So remember, it's not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. God is not like this judge. This is not who God is. We don't have to keep pestering him over and over again until he gives in. We don't have to pester him until we get our way. Instead, Jesus says, listen to what the judge says. I will give her justice. And we'll let God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out, cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? All those questions, all those questions are, no, God's not going to keep putting off his children. Yes, God will respond with justice for his chosen ones who keep crying out to him. God will be there. He finishes and says, he says and will, will God find faith on the earth? Will God find us faithful that we keep coming to him, that we'll bring our request to him over and over, pouring our heart out to him? Maybe because God still needs to change us. Who knows? You know, if we rewrite this situation, maybe the widow needed to change. Maybe there was something in the widow's life herself that was causing the adversary to respond that way. Maybe the one who's against, you know, so, so if we look at this as an imbalanced kind of way, maybe the judge, if he was truly balanced at first, maybe the widow was pestering the adversary and he's just like, what she was getting was what she deserved. But maybe the heart and the actions of the widow changed and her adversary was still being difficult. And at some point along the way, then this person was in the wrong. She, he's no longer defending himself. He was then attacking and abusing. That's not in the text, but if we just think about it in a way, we got to keep coming to God because sometimes we're the one who needs to change. Sometimes we need to be altered because maybe the faults that we're bringing to the situation are keeping us from getting what we need. Maybe, maybe it's just not the right time. Said that before. Maybe it's just not the right time. So we need to keep 
You know, we need to, to grow. We need to develop. Maybe it's a season. Maybe there's something that's going to uh, occur at a, at a certain time. And then in that moment, God, God, God are you, are you gonna, how far are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me enough to, to not just pray once, not just pray twice, but maybe pray 90 times, maybe pray 100 times? Are you going to pray about this for a year, for two years, for three? How long how, how, are you still going to trust me? Will he still find that we have faith in him? Will he still find faith on the earth? So God's not like the judge. He just, he's not going to just put us off just to put us off. He's going to put us off to, to build us, to, to grow us, to change us, to change our heart, to change our mind. To the point of the story isn't that we pester God. We just keep coming. We pester, 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 pester with prayer until he finally gives in. You know, Dad, can I have a soda? Can I have a soda? Can I have a soda? No, 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 no. Dad, fine, fine. Just go. God, that's not how God is. See, the point is that we are not pestering God when we pray. So we should pray and not give up. We're not pestering him. He longs to hear from us. See, God's response may not come when we want it. In fact, we may have to wait a long time for it. But Jesus taught the deliverance of his people may take time. They were 400 years as slaves in Egypt, right? But prayer helps us stay in touch with God. Prayer helps us stay patient in the interim. Remember, he's just told them, I w- I'm going to go away. You're going to long for these days, but I will return. How do we stay connected? We stay connected to prayer. God, you feel distant. Maybe it's because we're not praying. We're not praying enough. We're not praying. We're just reciting. We're just the things we've said before. As we look, long for his coming. As we hear and see creation groan for his arrival. The time when he will make everything right. Jesus says, pray. Pray because when we pray, we do not stand before an unreliable, unpredictable, capricious judge but we stand in front of the loving God of the universe who keeps his word, who longs to respond to the needs of his children. I tell you, he will see that you get justice and quickly. But when the son of man comes, we find faith on the earth. We find that we've been faithful and pursuing his presence. We find that we've been faithful in coming before him and, and casting our cares upon him of, of bringing our anxieties, of bringing our hurts, of bringing our woes. And not just once, not just twice, but continually. We continue to come before him consistently. Not seeing that we're pestering him, but calling upon him as our great God and father and king. So here's my challenge for you this week. Pick a consistent time each day to pray. Maybe it's early in the day. Maybe it's when you first get up. Maybe it's before your feet even touch the ground. Maybe it's in the shower. You're like, well, I'm, well, I'm here. Uh, I'm washing up for the day. Maybe I should just use this time to pray. Maybe it's in your morning commute. Maybe you're, you're, in, instead of listening to the radio, maybe it's your drive instead of getting mad at the person in front of you for, for driving insanely too slow or, 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 or stupidly, you can just pray to God that, that you don't run them off the road. And so whatever's best in your schedule, pick a time each day to pray. And you're, Mike, what do I say? 
What do I say? Uh, you know, I, 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 you know I, I know now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul. But that doesn't really work so well in the morning because I don't want to fall asleep while I'm driving. Yeah. What do, what do, if you don't know what to pray, you know what to pray. Use the Psalms as a guide. This week, in this week's video, I can uh, on YouTube. I can't do that, and so it'll be up sometime this afternoon. You can check that out. Check that out today. Check out this week, and and, and you can't use the Psalms as a guide. As you, you know, the the, the, the fun thing about the, the, the Psalms is that uh, in a thirty day month, uh, you have five. If you read five Psalms a day, you can get through the whole book of Psalms. And so maybe you just kind of scan through one of the five Psalms for that day, and you go. Well, this one really speaks to me. This one really kind of resonates with where I'm at. And just use the words of David or the the other psalmist just to guide your thoughts. Not to say that that, that those words be the only words you say, but maybe they they give you an idea about something to talk about with God. The Lord is my shepherd. You think about how God's watched over us and cared for us. How he's made us to lie down in green pastures and beside still waters, you begin to Count the different ways that he's provided for you. Yeah, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. And you think about those times when God's delivered you from a difficult situation. Or maybe you're, you, you see that you're in the middle of a difficult situation. God, you've been faithful in the past. Be faithful now. And so using the words of the Psalms, just kind of as, as a guy, you know, you, maybe you pick one and there at the end, it's something that says, and dash the babies against the rocks. Like, oh, not all the verses apply. And so maybe that one, you just kind of like set off to the side. And go, I'm not. But somewhere in those, maybe a verse or two in that same, in that same Psalm really speaks to where you're at. You can use that just as a prompt, as a, as a, as a guide to, 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 to that way. Because sometimes when we pray, it feels like we're praying the same things the same way over and over again. You're like, God, I'm tired of saying this. I'm sure you're tired of hearing this. And so we give up. And so by using the Psalms as a guide, it, it maybe changes our perspective just a little bit, changes our approach, changes our heart, changes the way we come to prayer. So when we use scripture as a guide, I think we'll find also that our prayers are more in line with the heart of God. So as we draw closer to the heart of God, he will prepare us for what, for what we need, for what he wants for us. And he'll prepare us for that day when he comes again. So how do you need to respond today? How do you need to respond today? Maybe you need to first respond to God's offer of grace. That you would come to him as as your father. You would come to him as as savior and accept Jesus and his offer of grace for us. So your greatest need has already been resolved. And all we need to do is receive it. God desires that all of us would come to repentance. That we would all come to salvation. And so maybe if that's your desire today, maybe uh, if you need to talk to someone, we'd love to help walk you through that process to help uh, bring you to that place where you can uh, choose Jesus as your savior. Maybe today you just need to talk with someone. Maybe you need someone to pray with. Maybe you're, you're in a difficult situation, a difficult spot, and you just need someone to pray with you. And we might be able to make it through this season, this difficult place. I'll be in the back after the service. There'll be others who'll be around. Maybe there's another next step and you can use the connection card there at cchmd.com slash connect. Maybe you need, maybe you need to start telling your story. Maybe you need to start uh, uh, serving those who are around you. Maybe uh, and putting your gifts and abilities to work, whatever the next step is that you need to take. You can mark the, the appropriate box and let us know. And we'll follow up with you. See the more persistent we are in prayer, 
the better God can prepare us for what he wants us to be. Far too often we give up far too quickly when the best is still yet to come. And if God still has more in store for us, not just individually, but as a community of faith here at at CCH, God wants to grow us and use us to impact this community mightily. So maybe it's time for us to continue to pray and not give up. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time you've given us together. Father, I pray that as we consider this parable, as we consider your teaching, Father, we'd come before you with open hearts. Father, with full hearts that we would, we would come before you and allow you to do your work in us. Father, you would change us, that you would shape us, that you would mold us, that you would use us. Father, would you, would you help us to pray consistently, persistently? Because Father, maybe, what's, maybe what you want long to give us is just around the corner. If we'd only keep pursuing. So Father, would you help us to take that next step? Father, would we come to you faithfully, trusting in you to provide all that we need, trusting that you're walking before us, Father, that you're around us, that you're guiding each step. Father, would you use us to make your name great? Father, would you use us to bring others to know Jesus? Would you use us to spread your glory, not just here in Hagerstown, in Washington County, but across our state, across our nation, across the world, that Father, the influence you have in us, Father, would you use it? Would it ripple out from here to help draw others to know you and your son, Jesus? Father, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we hope that you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.